Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 44, I believe, and we are coming to you today on uh, on a Sunday. Uh, hopefully, if I get this edited in time, we're filming on a Saturday morning because we have some special guests coming, and uh, you'll find out who those are uh, in, the, in the upcoming weeks and some videos and some maybe other podcasts and some stuff. So <laughs> I'll leave it a surprise for now, but uh, we're trying to get this filmed early and... Uh, because we have it's Canada Day weekend, it's free agency tomorrow. Uh, there's just a lot going on, so we wanted to film it now and get it out of the way. And uh, I'm just gonna let you guys know. Oops, sorry, one second. Technical difficulties. Okay, there. Um, so we we are gonna finish where we left off last podcast, where I was talking about my trip and going through the pictures. Uh, but we're not gonna do that right away. We have some other things to discuss, some hockey related things. Uh, so we're going to do some hockey stuff. We're going to do my the rest of my trip. And then we're going to talk about the trip that you were on mm-hmm. around the same time that I was right on my on. trip. Exactly. So first, actually, I, I want to talk about our second channel, More Post to Post, because that's been more active recently than our main channel. We're really trying to grow that second channel. So if you're, if you're not subscribed, um, I encourage you to go over and check it out. Hit the subscribe button. We've got videos on football, soccer, baseball, uh, s- trivia, U.S. state flags, uh, we, we recently did rank the U.S. state flags. We did the uh, FIFA World Cup jerseys, home and away, ranked. And we did the MLB ballparks mm-hmm. recently. And that's got a lot of great views so mm. far. And, uh, of course, the the Vegas vlogs that I've been releasing as well. So uh, if you're not subscribed over there, it would really mean a lot to me if you could go over and hit the subscribe button. We're really trying to help, uh, really trying to uh, grow that channel, and any support uh, helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Now... To the hockey. Did you hear about Drew Doughty? <laughs> Bad time to ask you a question when you're taking a drink. <laughs> um, I heard that L.A. was going to resign him. Yeah, it looks like eight years mm-hmm. at $11 million average per year. That's a lot of money. Eight years at $11 million? That's a lot of money. He is making off like a bandit with that's, that kind of money because he's got some liabilities. It's two years, not two years, <laughs> two million more than P.K. Subban, I believe. And I think it's obviously going to be a a very front-loaded contract as far as what he gets paid per per year. I mean, the average is the average, but as far as what he gets, what he he actually gets paid, it's going to be a front-loaded contract. So Mm -hmm. he's probably going to get like between seventeen and twenty million dollars his first couple of years, and then likely six to eight his last couple on the contract. So wow, it's a big deal. Um, He they had to pay him that much to keep him because he was. I think considering going elsewhere at one point, but uh, it's a lot of money. I I personally would not have paid eleven million to keep Drew Doughty, but um, I wouldn't have paid. I wouldn't have paid more than six. Six. Yeah, I think that's a little. No, I think that I think that's offensive. Well, I think what he, I think his play in the last uh, round of the playoffs that he was in against Vegas was offensive. I think, I think eight would be the minimum. I'd probably give him nine. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> LA's getting hosed there, but oh, all right. Yeah, you think he would have taken a little less to help the team, but whatever. He wants to get paid, so that's fine. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a good player, obviously. I like your daddy. Mm-hmm. John Tavares, what do you think about this whole situation? Now, by the time that people listen to this, this will have resolved itself, and he would probably. have made his decision. He probably. He, he might have already made it by the yeah. time I'm filming this. But for him and his agent to go to a, a hotel and essentially receive visitors like the Pope... <laughs> <laughs> or the queen 
you know, and they come begging on their hands and knees. And, and when they go out of the room, they have to back up because they don't want to turn their back on the great John Tavares. I think it's a bit of a pony show, but it's not his fault. The media is all over this. They're yeah. following this. They're, they've got camera crews parked outside watching people get out of cars and going mm. in and out. It's like the red carpet at the Olympics or, or the, the Oscars or the Grammys. And it's, it's just a little crazy. Um, it's, there's nothing else to do. So here they are watching the Tavares show. It's a little Hollywood. Uh, it's, Just a little. It's, it, I, I understand that he's the most attractive free agent coming up, and I understand that he is a generational player. He is the best player on the Islanders. I understand the want and desire to, to get a player like that on your team, but I think it's a little over the top. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, he's a good player. I don't think he's that good. He's, he's, I think this whole hype around him is a little overrated, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, it's, I don't find it that exciting and I probably should because I cover this stuff. I talk about this stuff, but I'm just kind of sick of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like he was supposed to release his decision like two days ago and then he was supposed to release it yesterday at noon and then it, he, he didn't do it and everyone was freaking out. And then he didn't, he didn't do it by the end of last night and he said he wasn't going to make a decision by the end of the night. And then people were all upset, like just. Just, I'm not even thinking about it. Like, just let, I'll find the news when he releases the news or when it comes out on my phone mm-hmm. and that'll be that. And then, then I can talk about it. Yeah, that's I right. I don't yeah. necessarily like to theorize where he's going to go and for what. And I don't know. So the, the sports media is becoming a lot like the news media, news media, for instance, in an election. The news media doesn't cover what people are actually saying about what they would do. It doesn't cover their policies, doesn't cover their announcements. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cover their approach to government generally, if they were ever in power. It covers the race. Who's ahead in the polls? Yeah. Who's this? Who's that? It, it, nothing to do with the substance. And same thing with this Tavares business. It's, it's not about the substance of, of the, the marketing and and the market. It's all about who's going in the room and who's coming out and who's got the best deal for him and where he might go. And to follow this right now, when nobody knows, it's all speculation, just like the polls are always speculation. Nobody knows. So I guess the media is going to be there to cover it. I'm not, even although I'm a hockey media luminary, luminary. (laughs) I'm not obligated to follow it and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not following it really either, mainly because I don't have time. But uh, the other point is I just really don't care that much. I'm going to ask you the question that I probably don't even care about the answer for, but (laughs) where do you think, I'm just trying to put it out there because I know people want to know and people will comment if I don't ask it. Where, where do you think will go and where do you want him to go? I, I, of the teams that he will talk to. Because there's San Jose, Tampa, Vegas, Toronto, Islanders, and Dallas, I think are the six teams. Yeah. Of the teams that he will talk to, um, I would like to see him go back to the Islanders and I think he will go back to the Islanders. I agree. Yeah, I, I think the Islanders bringing in Barry Trotz are showing him and the marketplace in New York that they're serious. They've got a new arena down the road. They've got a great fan base. They've got a fantastic uh, historical franchise. And that's where, if I were John Tavares, all other things being equal, I'm sure they can money match what everyone else is going to be offering. Mm-hmm. And I'd even, I wouldn't have to have the highest bidder either. He made his life in New York. He should end his career in New York with at least a uh, one or two Stanley Cups, and if he stays, I think he can do it. I think I think you're right. I, I get the appeal of going somewhere else and seeing new things and trying new stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I I hope he stays in the island. But I really don't care that much. I really don't either. And, and hockey, 
Hockey has been less of a free agent, move here, move there for the money kind of sport, but it is still that that sport. We had near the end Wayne Gretzky hopping around or being traded or free agenting himself to St. Louis and then to New York. Um, it I like loyalty. I really like loyalty. I like I like the idea of a player staying with the team for his entire career. Like Shane Doan. Like Shane Doan. Like Alex Ovechkin. Uh, like Carey Price, as it's probably going to turn out. Like I like that idea, where a, a team drafts a player, grows a player, keeps a player, and wins with the player. That's the part we haven't seen with Carey Price. I'll, I'll ask you the question again in five years about Carey Price. See yeah. how you feel about loyalty. <laughs> uh, all right, good answer. Next, I'd like to talk about the drama from Ottawa. Have you heard oh, anything about this? Well, I know the drama from a couple of weeks ago with Carlson and Hoffman's spouses. Or no, like the new... The new drama. The new drama where the assistant coach is under charges in Buffalo. No, more drama after that. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fill me in. So they're trying to secure a new loan or something like that for to pay back old debt. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know the whole story. I, I honestly didn't read the, the entire article, but and I probably should have. But um, basically Melnick saying that, or someone said that Melnick said that he's trying to sell the team or he met with someone or something. But then the other people who own the loan or have to do with Melnick or working with Melnick, I don't even know. They said that they're not selling the team. They're not even willing to hear negotiations or offers about the team. That's how much they're not selling the team. So there's conflicting reports coming out of Ottawa of Is that right? what's actually going to happen with the team. And also they have the the new arena. I think they're they trying to build a new arena downtown, right? They are. Yeah. And what's the location called? Do you remember? Um, is it something flats? Yes, it's a LeBreton Flats. Le flats yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's that. There's like I feel honestly feel terrible. I'm a Canadians fan. Mm-hmm. Things are not good for Canadians fans right now. No. Or the Montreal Canadiens. I feel worse for Ottawa fans because of all the drama that's come out of that team in the past twelve months, basically, mm-hmm. or thirteen months uh, after they got eliminated. It's been it's been tough to be an Ottawa Senators fan. Um, so. Hopefully they get that figured out soon. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you're reading now. I am reading up in the story. They've got $135 million in new financing. Yeah. yeah. And some of that's to pay back old debt. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just. <laughs> if Ottawa can't get down to the downtown uh, very soon and get it done, they they just just go. Just go. Just sell the team. Sell it to Quebec market. Become the Nordiques. Go to Quebec City. You're staying in the same division in the same conference. Quebec wants a team. Ottawa was a bad business model from the beginning, being way out there in Canada. And uh, they, I'm being a little bit cranky right now, but <laughs> it, I'm, I, I agree with you. Ottawa fans deserve way better than this. And I would I would say just go. Wait, that doesn't make So Ottawa fans deserve better, so you want to take the team away from them? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not supposed to. It's not like I'm getting paid here. Come on. No, but what I mean to say is, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is Ottawa fans deserve better than what they've got. I, I agree. And to continue to be Ottawa fans, they're mm-hmm. going to have to endure years and years more of this before they have any solution to it. So I'd be just, boom, get rid of the team, team gone to Quebec City, build in LeBreton Flats, get a nice arena, and then get a team. How would you feel about the team combining to two cities? If you had half the games in Ottawa and half the home games in Quebec City and naming the team the whatever Senators, the, I don't know, you couldn't call it the Ottawa-Quebec 
Senators. I guess you could get a little bit, but... Well, you could call them the Ottawa Nationals or the Ottawa-Quebec Nationals. Quebec is the capital, or Quebec City is the capital of Quebec province. Yes. And the legislature in Quebec City is called the National Assembly. It's not called the legislature or province house Mm -hmm. or provincial parliament. It's the National Assembly, even though it's a province. Quebec considers itself, many people consider themselves to be a nation unto themselves. So if you call them the Nationals, I don't know. I, I think it's an idea that wouldn't work business-wise, but I'm not opposed to it on a moral... I'd be, I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, I think it would. Is So is Quebec City the capital of Quebec? Did yes, you it just is. say that? Yep. And mm-hmm. Ottawa's the capital of Canada. Okay, yeah. What if you called them the capital oh. senators? Or, yeah. It gets a little complicated with the Washington capitals, but... I call them the national capitals. <laughs> anyway, it's just a thought yeah. to combine the two markets to save Ottawa, to give Quebec some life. It would be complicated a little bit, but... Very. Uh, yeah. At least they're close geographically. They're what three three hours of drive apart. No, on a really really good day. On a good day, more like five probably. Okay. Yeah. Really? Well, Ottawa to Montreal is an hour and a half or two, and then Montreal to Quebec City is three or four. I didn't realize it was that far away. Yeah. Anyway, um, that got a little off topic, but a good <laughs> conversation, I think. Uh, the trade this week. Did you hear about that? I guess there was a few trades, but the the biggest trade uh, was the Sherry and Hunwick. Two. No. So Connor Sherry from Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and Hunnamook were traded away from Pittsburgh to Buffalo okay. for a fourth round conditional pick. <laughs> conditional pick? Yeah. Conditional on what? <laughs> <laughs> when you're trading a conditional pick from Buffalo, <laughs> what does that mean? I, I Actually, I don't know the condition. I didn't read it because this is just a salary dump for Pittsburgh. Sure. I understand it. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh fans, they understand the decision. But I think some are a little upset because Connor Sherry is a, a good player. Mm-hmm. You think you could get a little bit more from for him uh, if they had traded him at the trade deadline? Mm-hmm. The return would have been way bigger than a fourth round conditional pick. Yeah, but he's got two years left on his contract, three million per. Mm-hmm. So it's a great deal for Buffalo. They're getting a really good oh, player yes. who's coming in at a at a really good rate right now. Yeah. So it'll be... Things are looking up in Buffalo. They really are. If they can get whoever they decide to be their goaltender next year, I mean, you've got Eichel, Ristolainen, Dolan. Uh, if you keep O'Reilly and Sherry, there's others that I'm forgetting. I mean, Buffalo is a team that on paper should be way better than they are even last year. They really should. And they've got gobs of cap space left. Yeah. You know, like you, Ryan O'Reilly is making $7.5 AAV for the next several multiple years. And Eichel is making 10 million bucks forever. <laughs> and they still have all kinds of cap room. Yeah. Even with Sherry on the team now and all that. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, I, I really do hope success for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that's, that I've enjoyed watching, even though they're not that great. Uh, I really like underdog stories. So eventually it will come time for Buffalo to do well. Mm-hmm. And they will. And things, they'll create new fans and they'll go on that process that, some teams do. So it's going to be exciting. I'm excited for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I have for hockey news. Do you have anything else you want to add? Any questions? Not really. I'm looking forward to free agent uh, frenzy, I guess they call it. Although lately it's not really been much of a frenzy. Um, so that's tomorrow. It's it, it's a weird thing for Canadians because it's, it's a holiday. Yeah. It's a national holiday called Canada Day. The good news is if you want to, you can sit home and turn on the sports channel all day long and watch three or four fat guys talk about uh, <laughs> who signed with who. But uh, You're allowed to say that because... Well, because... 
<laughs> finish the sentence. You're in the, you share the same. I'm, I'm rather thick myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's a, usually the first or one of the first really great weekends for weather. You want to be out. You want to be at the campground. You want to be at the beach. Mm. Uh, so it's hard to follow the hockey scene on a very important day and still do your uh, family and national duties at the same time. So yeah. it's, eh, I'm not crazy about the fact it's on July 1st. Yeah, I actually, I'm not either, mm-hmm. it, but uh, it's it's tough to split it. There's been Canada, Canada days where I've done nothing and concentrated on hockey and others that I've completely ignored free agency day and done a lot of events and mm-hmm. activities and stuff. So. And I will uh, walk back on one thing I said a while ago. I said Canada Day, and I'm, I try to avoid saying Canada Day because I refer to it as Dominion Day. Dominion Day. Dominion Day. Uh, from when I, the time was I was a kid up until probably into the 70s or even 80s, it was called Dominion Day. That was the name of the holiday. And then some jackass decided that, <laughs> that it should be Canada Day. Like, is there any I, dispute I, or doubt about where we are? I, I like it. You like Canada Day? Yeah, I don't like the I don't like Dominion Day because remember on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the group of aliens from the other side of the wormhole were called the Dominion, and they tried to attack. Well, I instantly like them now. I think it's a bad thing. You know the official name of this country, the Dominion of Canada. I don't like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> tough. You were born into it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. All right. You ready for? I suppose. A continuation of my trip to Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so the last time we left off, I was uh, in or around Payson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I was just about to leave for my drive from Payson area to Kanab. And so we decided that we would... Uh, oh, sorry. No, I... I was already in Kanab at that point. We had already done that. Sorry. My drive from Kanab to Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, so it was, it was a long drive, and we did a bunch of stuff on the way. And by we, I'm talking about myself and Luke. And uh, so I have some pictures here. The first picture that you're going to see is, uh, is us going into uh, Zion National Park, I think it's called. Okay. And it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, the the rocks and the formations and the height of these mountains and stuff it was just breathtaking. However, there was so much traffic. This is early in the morning. This is probably I think around eight. There's so much traffic and there's so little parking that we couldn't find anywhere to safely park along the side of the road and actually get out until the, we were at the other end of the park. <laughs> so it was really frustrating. It was a beautiful drive, but a f- frustrating drive because we wanted to pull over and, you know, take pictures and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, so next picture you can see is just driving along awesome mountains in the background. And uh, there's some pretty, next picture, there's some pretty interesting uh, kind of switchback roads that you had to kind of go down. The, that was that was fun. That was a, a fun process. Mm-hmm. And we just kept driving along. As you can see, there's just like, beautiful. there's rocks along the road. So you can't really pull over there's it's it was frustrating and uh we got to the parking lot walked around for a bit and uh, you'll see more of of that specific park in the vlog when it eventually releases mm-hmm. uh, i didn't take a lot of pictures mainly because i was driving mm-hmm. so the next picture you'll see was when we continued on to um bryce canyon and that's another national i think it's a national park and uh, we, so we drove through it. We drove all the way up kind of 
to near near the top and we decided to uh you know get out and we luckily found parking and walk around so the this is bryce point the elevation's eight uh, eight thousand three hundred feet and um the next picture here the there, there's some really interesting landscape you can see in the distance there's some some normal trees and closer to us there's some pretty cool rock formations and uh this this dead tree i found i just found this tree fascinating because to the right of it is a normal tree <laughs> and to the left is a like a like what happened to this tree and it looks cool so i took a few pictures of it uh the next picture you can see just more of the background in contrast with the tree it's beautiful yeah mm -hmm. and then the next one is a panoramic i took with my phone and this is way to the left of where the previous picture was and mm -hmm. you can see all the interesting rock formations down there uh it kind of looks have you been to the badlands in alberta no it's it i've flown like, over them and seen them from above but yeah, it's a there. little bit like that mm -hmm. and you can see this lady to the right she's loving it she can't she's speechless that's a lady yeah i think so okay <laughs> uh the next picture is um from my good camera the, I, there's phone pictures and good pictures mix, mixed in mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I just we kind of hiked up here and walked and uh, for a little bit and, and took some pictures. And uh, the next one is, again, there's these dead kind of tree things. I, I found so interesting. I don't, I'm not sure if they're getting hit by lightning, or, or what, or just dying like naturally and is super old or. But as so it wasn't petrified. It wasn't made of rock. It no. was it was wood. Yeah, it was wood. Yeah. Okay. So, hmm. uh, next picture is. Uh, just the same general area, but if you look way off to the left, it's going to be hard to see. Mm -hmm. but you can see a smoke plume coming up. I can. Uh, that's a forest fire. Oh, wow. Uh, next picture is just those rock formations, a little bit more zoomed in. Mm -hmm. And if you look way down below, you can't see it, but below there is an actual walking and hiking trail. You can go down at the bottom and kind of look up at them, but something I'd like to do in the future. Uh, the next picture is just another panoramic with my phone can see really see how vast this area is and uh, the next picture is actually a completely different area this is up higher mm -hmm. near the actual the highest point you can drive to i think it's eleven thousand something oh really oh yeah you're up that high oh yeah and, and you can see the plume a little better now exactly you can yeah. see the plume better and the the temperature change was unbelievable mm -hmm. from eight thousand to eleven thousand like significant i bet uh so this was really cool I, i'd love to spend more time in, in this specific area mm-hmm the next picture, I think we're coming back down the hill at this point. And there's places to stop. Uh, again, just cool, some cool rock formations. Yeah. And then the next picture, if you look to your left, you can see this like little tower yeah. that comes up. I think that's so cool. It's it's It was huge compared to all the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, so we spent some time there. I actually see a face in it. Do you see the face? Look, mm. it's a face side on, and he's looking to his, his left our right okay yeah got it <laughs> got it he's got quite a schnoz on him he does yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay so the next picture oh, wow this is called i don't know it's something bridge something bridge i can't remember the exact name of it but this was awesome uh i wish i kind of wanted to hike down through there you could you, I, don't, I don't think you were allowed but mm. I, I wanted to but uh, that was cool and then uh the next picture this was the drive out you had to drive through this overhanging so is this thing. is naturally made and they put a road through it this this rock is 
it was it's kind of like what we just saw mm-hmm. the the other hole was natural but they put this one okay. in this specific one. okay so uh, and then the next picture, <laughs> we stopped at a store and I thought that that hot sauce was interesting. So. <laughs> uh, and then the next picture is the drive from Bryce Canyon National Park up to Salt Lake. This was in it, the, the landscape really, really changed as he got closer to Salt Lake City up in northern Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a beautiful drive. I would 100% do it again. And then the final picture for this day, uh, which is May 25th, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Uh, the final picture is of Salt Lake City. So we were there seeing Luke's sister and spending some, oh, wow. spending a few days there. So uh, her house is just to the left down there. And we uh, kind of drove back to the left and up the hill and then walked to this trail out to the, I think it's called like H Rock or I can't remember exactly, but this is overlooking Salt Lake City. So Salt Lake City's off to, uh, in the distance there in the middle, and off to the right, you'll see kind of a Capitol building. Mm-hmm. A little bit, I, th- I, don't, I think that's the their their main Capitol building or whatever they want to call it. But it's a, it was a beautiful spot. Is it maybe, it's not the temple, maybe? No. No, okay. I don't think so. That's just above that. All right, very good. Uh, or sorry, just below the Capitol building. Okay, um... May 26th, there's only two pictures here from this day. The first one is a place called Shields. This is a big sports sporting store. And I took this picture for you because if you look inside in the middle, what do you see? I'm zooming in here. I see a, a float plane. You do. Can hanging you, from the ceiling. Can you, can you tell what type of plane? You had to pick the loudest most to use. I did. Um, well, it's, it's a high wing. Um, rotary engine by the look of things, I'd say it's an otter. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, I thought it was a Piper Cub, but <laughs> no, I think it's uh, I think it's bigger than that, but maybe not. It looks almost like a rotary engine at the at the front, which would yeah, be does. pretty rare in a small plane. But it uh, it looks cool though. It was it was mm-hmm. awesome to see that. Very neat. Uh, next picture. <laughs> <laughs> so we had just gotten out of a movie at this point. Wow. And it was pouring rain. And it's so much so that the entire like downtown f- started to flood, like within a couple of hours. And if you look, there's a manhole being uncovered by the water. Can you see that in the photo? Oh yeah, and the, it's up. It's it. So that was kind of like hovering with the water. Is that much water coming up out of the manhole? Wow. And it, we were watching vehicles drive over this thing. And I have a. This is a, I think a screenshot from a video. Mm-hmm. To the left of the of the vehicle was the front end of someone's. V- car mm. had fallen off a chevy malibu drove right in the hole and over that oh. <laughs> and uh people were coming flying down this hill and you can see in the distance that mm. car going through there yeah. And, yeah that probably should be called a person hole now <laughs> these days yeah, yeah these days just just you know so we're politically correct i guess yeah um so that's it from that day we just kind of we just kind of relaxed basically for the, for this weekend so may 27th this is his sister's place. I'm not actually sure if I'm supposed to show this photo, but I'm, I'm going to show it. <laughs> this is her record wall. Wow. And I, I thought that you would appreciate this because you used to be a radio DJ mm-hmm. back in the day. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't think you used records in the... Did sure, you? Sure did. Did you? Oh, yeah. Not albums so much. We used like 45s, okay. singles. Yeah. So I, The th- occasional album. This was so inspirational for me. I would love to have something like this in my home eventually someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's got some... 
She's got some good good ones on there. She's got some Pink Floyd, some Led Zeppelin, uh, Eminem, mm-hmm. which won't mean anything to you, but uh, yes, it will. <laughs> I, I ain't no non-slim shady. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. The next picture, we decided to go visit the uh, Bonneville Salt Flats. Oh wow. Okay. So this, this is what I mistakenly thought was in California, but you corrected me, and you were right. Yeah. What do you think of this place? unbelievable really eh? it's it, <laughs> I, I could probably could have spent half a day there or wow. maybe an entire day it was really cool so it actually doesn't completely dry out until the summertime i think like august maybe mm-hmm. and that's when they do the racing oh. right now there's still a layer of water over oh, it okay so th- we're driving out to it at this point you can't there's mm-hmm. no there's no water at this point but the next picture is when we actually get there and i'm walking out into it and i chose this photo first because i want you to see how much water there is and there's not much it's yeah. just like just a little bit looks like two inches or three exactly yeah and there's that much water for miles and miles oh and miles really and miles so the next picture you see is a panoramic of where i was standing and you can see mountains in the background mm-hmm. i mean the reflection is perfect is it's it's a mirror it's a it's a mirror it's wow. it's insane you can see people way off to the left walking mm-hmm. and in the middle uh, the next picture is with my other camera, and again, it's a, it's a perfect mirror. Yeah, it's it's something. so unique. Like I've never been anywhere like this before. Wow, the uh, sky is gorgeous too. It is, yeah. Big sky. Uh, we came near sunset as well, which is probably a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next photo, again, just these are basically it's basically all the same. It's just a mirror, uh, which is cool. And we stayed until the sun actually set. So this next photo, the sun is down, and we're, I'm looking on the other side where. Uh, people have driven, people mm-hmm. drive out on there because it's... So you don't sink down. You don't sink down, yeah. Right, it's, okay. So, well, I mean, you sink down a little bit, but... Yeah, not enough to ruin a car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a bit of a long exposure. You can see a, a town mm-hmm. off in the distance. There. I can't remember the name of that. But uh, the next photo is kind of looking to the left of where the previous photo was back at the highway. Uh, and uh, the light that you see is actually from the moon. The moon is above the clouds there. Mm-hmm. And then the last photo was looking behind me, away from the moon, back at the mountains, which you saw previously in one of the previous photos. Uh, it was So I did a long exposure here. You can actually see more of the sand underneath the, mm-hmm. the, the water yeah. now that it's dark. Uh, so I thought that, was, thought that was cool. I had a lot of fun there. Um, so that was the last photo from that day. May 28th, uh, we drove from Salt Lake City back to Vegas for game. I don't, I can't remember what, which one. Um, but the first photo you see is the Adobe's head office in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. And uh, most of you probably have heard that Adobe before, but Adobe plays a big role in my life because... Right now, I'm filming this podcast on Adobe Edition. Mm-hmm. I edit all the videos on in Adobe Premiere. I make all the thumbnails in Adobe Photoshop. I edit all of my photography in Adobe Lightroom. So I use Adobe programs literally every day of my life since 2004 on and off a couple of years. Wow. But, like, I mean, there's no program. I've, there's no company that I've used their, I mean, besides Windows, I guess, Microsoft, but... I'm loyal. And, and you, you are. And, and you have a, you do it a monthly subscription now, right? I do. Yeah. yeah for Creative Cloud. Yeah. It's not cheap. No. 
But look look what you get. Exactly. Look what the viewers get. Hopefully, they, hopefully they're pleased. <laughs> Production <laughs> quality. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I saw this and I'm like, man, I'd love to work there someday. But mm -hmm. anyway, so this next photo Ooh, is dear. requires a backstory. We were st this, this is in Vegas on the Strip. We were standing across the street from the T-Mobile Arena, or basically New York, New York, uh, in front of the Denny's, waiting to cross the road to go back towards the arena. Uh, there's a ton of people on the corner. I'm filming a guy dancing kind of in the street where there's no cars coming. He's just, he stepped out a little bit, he's dancing. And uh, I hear behind me just this, like, just crack. I, I'm not going to make the sound because it's going to be too loud for the listeners, but um, everyone turns around. And this is what we see. I'm already filming at this point because I'm filming the guy in the street. So I, I'm, I turn around with my camera, and this is what I see. So I'm lucky in the fact that I already had my camera going and no one else did. Mm -hmm. So I'm the only person who got this. And I'm not exactly sure what happened, but Luke thinks that he heard someone, he, he thinks that he heard someone say that they heard that it was a bet where the guy said, I bet you $20 you can't knock me out or whatever. And the guy smoked him, knocked him out cold in one punch. Reached, he reached down, grabbed the money and then took off running. I have that on video, I'm not gonna show it. This is a screenshot from the video wow. of the guy standing over this guy. And like, it was crazy. And then I, I'm not going to show the rest of the photos because the guy on the ground actually bled quite a bit. He was eventually okay. He did get up. But uh, I thought about going to the police with this. But I figured, number one, they have got cameras all over the place anyway. So they've, they're already going to have video footage of this. Number two, they're so busy because of the game that's just about to start, and there's so many people. They probably really don't care about this, and it's Vegas, so mm -hmm. this is pretty minor in their eyes. And three, I didn't have time. If I had have contacted the police, I would have had done a statement and given the like. It would have taken probably an hour or so. Oh, more than that. So I would have missed it. I would have missed the game. So well, it's just, all about the game. And if the story's true and the guy did bet him that he could knock him out, then well, it's his own damn fault. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the next um, photo is, I believe this is game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, there's so many more people here than there was the previous round. Um, it, was, it was just crazy. There was too many people, to be honest. So I see from the overhead uh, screen there, uh, underneath where it says T-Mobile Arena, they're in playing at this time. They're inside that building playing. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, they're and, in. Yeah, they're inside. Yeah, and you're outside. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Exactly. Um, and then the next photo is at the end. I took a lot of video this day, and not a lot of pictures. So that's why there's only it skips right to the end. Anyways, Vegas won Game One, mm -hmm. as you guys know. Uh, so there's a the, the place is pretty hype after that. After that, we went back to the New York New York Hotel just to walk around a little bit. So this is a really really crappy photo, but it shows you more of what I was talking about in the previous podcast where they have this kind of alleyway of, of shops in New York style, pizza and restaurants and all kinds of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's really cool. The next photo is outside. They had the Statue of Liberty outside the New York, New York Hotel, and they have a Vegas jersey on the Statue of Liberty. And I didn't get a photo of the front, unfortunately, but in the back it says Budweiser 17 or something. But they have this jersey. It's apparently it weighed like 800 pounds or something <laughs> crazy. Uh, pretty cool and then the last photo is actually a picture of me and and benny he was there and uh we met up got a picture 
He's the one that won one of our contests, our Twitter contests. Oh, yeah. So he won the Toronto jersey uh, sure. like six or seven months ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I met up with him and, and uh, had a good conversation. So shout out, shout out to Benny. Hey, Benny. Uh, so that was it for that day. Uh, the 29th, I have no photos. I can't remember what I did that day. I think I just relaxed. The day after that, May 30th, was game two. So the first photo that you see is uh, I'm I'm in the parking garage looking down. Okay. And so this is pre-game. This is probably two hours before the game starts. There's uh-huh. already that many people. Uh, so this is just a little panoramic. Uh, the next photo is of a screen inside a casino because it was so hot that we decided it's just not worth it to be out there in that crazy crowd in the heat. It was like 108 or 107 or something like that. It just wasn't worth it. So we went into the casino and watched the game. So you've got a picture from inside a casino in Vegas. Yeah, I snuck it. You are one risky man. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> Living on the edge. Uh, so that was it from the, for that day. Uh, the next day, I believe Luke left and I was all alone. Um, so I went to the movie theater mm-hmm. and I just, I, I wanted to take this picture and show you, you notice that there's the seats are leather. Mm-hmm. If you look at the next picture. Looks like a bunch of lazy boys. Exactly. They were motorized. What? You, it, you motorized and laid, you laid like flat almost out on them. Oh, wow. It was, it was amazing. I almost <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> so that day I just kind of relaxed, edited, uh, watched a movie, took it easy. Mm-hmm. The next day, I went to, uh, I met up with uh, two subscribers, Rosie and her brother, uh, Tony, I think his name was, and uh, we went, man, I'm trying to think of the names, but we went to basically Red Rock Canyon, and on the way there, there's this ranch, a very famous ranch. Chicken ranch? No, no, (laughs) not a chicken ranch. It was, it was an like not an estate, but it was owned by a lot of famous people. A very famous female actor back in like the twenties or something, and Howard Hughes. Oh yeah, uh, owned this for a while. Um, so the the first picture that you see is a collection of stuff that they've kept forever at the at the place Seven Up. There's an old root beer can there. All kinds of stuff. The next photo I took specifically for you. Oh, sweet. So this is an old radio. And uh, I don't know if you know the name of it, or if you're familiar with uh, with it. But anyway, I, I did take this photo for you. I'm zooming in big time here to see if I can find a right. manufacturer on it, but I don't see one right off. Oh, Lee Tech, it says at the top. I would say that's fairly new. But made to look old. Oh, some something like those Crosleys you see sometimes at uh, okay. Bed Bath and Beyond. But it's a beautiful job. Yeah, I think that's a, a reproduction. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, there's been a trade. Oh, we have uh, a trade to announce. And it involves the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, really? Stand by. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have acquired goaltender Steve Mason. And forward Joel Armia. <laughs> Armia? Really? Uh, okay, so the Canadians require Joel Armia, goaltender Steve Mason, and a seventh round pick in 2019 and a fourth round pick in 2020 from the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for defenseman Simon Bork. 
I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Do you? I don't. I have no idea. I don't. I'm confused. Who's Simon Bork? Or Burke? Um, Simon Bork, he's a... Uh, he's in the minors. He's a defenseman. He's on an entry-level contract. He's paying, being paid $720,000 this year and next year. He's an RFA the year after that. He's 21 years old. He's so left left defense. So this is a salary dump for Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, so Montreal wins this trade. Um, I don't what What? What's going on here? Like a Steve Mason, Carey Price, Lindgren, and Niemi all signed. Well, Niemi's signed until tomorrow. No, he has a new contract. He what? Yes, they signed him to a new contract. You're not kidding. A million something. You're kidding me. Go look. 950000 Yeah. Son of a gun. Which I'm happy about. Oh, yeah. But they've got four goalies now. What's Steve Mason's contract? He, they must be just going to use him to flip. I don't know. I mean, I guess, but why wouldn't Winfake do that if that was the case? <laughs> uh, anyways, interesting. And, and a trade from Montreal I actually like for once. Mm-hmm. I do like Joel uh, Armia. Uh, Armia. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all our Finnish viewers yeah. for pronouncing that correctly. Armia. Armia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on with the show. Cool. So we left off at the radio, still at the estate. The next picture, this was looking out the window. Uh, so this, I mean, an unbelievable view. Just can you imagine this being your home, looking out and seeing that? The beautiful trees, the long road with the white picket fence, and the mountain in the background. <laughs> I just I just picture Ben Cartwright and Haas <laughs> clippity-clopping up the road saying, where's my baked beans there, Bertha? That's, uh, it is beautiful. It is. Right out of the, the first right out of the movies. The first woman to own this, I can't remember her name. It wasn't like Audrey Hepburn or anything like that, but she was very famous an actress she used to collect uh gems and stuff from the mountain she used to go find them Mm -hmm. and come back and and polish them and and tumble them and whatever gem people do (laughs) but uh that her whole section was set up in the house where she did that and the house had a secret room her bedroom is set up and then you kind of go into her closet area and the, there's closet doors, you open them, there's normal hangers and stuff in, but one of the doors you open and there's a hallway. So you, you walk through this like windy kind of turny hallway and then you get to a, like a big bathroom, a kind of like a 50 styles bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a kind of a, a matte green or a, a coral green. And then to the right, there's this big open room. It's kind of like a sun porch or, or something like that. But I thought that that was interesting. That's the first secret room I've ever been into. <laughs> 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 the next photo is uh we were at red rock canyon at this point and we, i had hiked down um kind of along the bottom of the rock face and uh you can see people in the photo in the middle hiking up there and okay yeah see them now so i it was, looked pretty risky to, to be honest they didn't have any harnesses or anything like that mm-hmm. and they had a dog with them it's like, man, that seems a little risky, but anyway. Uh, the next photo is back up the hill looking more so towards Vegas area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next photo is looking the other direction, and you can see the, the different coloration in the rock. That's why they obviously call it Red Rock Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful spot. And just to give you the 
perspective of how big this is, if you look to the left, there's people at the bottom uh, along that trail. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, yeah. it really gives you a better perspective of how big that is once you see those people. Mm -hmm. It's it's cool. Uh, the next photo is just a panoramic a little bit down the road from there looking uh, kind of towards Death Valley area, I think maybe. All right. I think this is the direction I'm looking. And that's the last photo from, from that day. Moving on to June 2nd. This was game three in Washington. So I went to the Vegas Golden Knights practice facility and they have a restaurant there. And uh, I went like six hours, seven hours early to get a seat. So I kind of sat there and uh, I watched the game from there. And I thought it was interesting that they have banners from other teams mm. in the practice facility. Oilers and Kings, I see. Yeah, and there's, Ducks, more, there's more above my head that you can't planes. see in the picture. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Cool. And then I met up with a subscriber. We had a good conversation. We probably talked for like 20 minutes and got a picture together. Cool. I take terrible photos. And that was it for that day. And on the third, there's no hockey going on. So I met back up with um, Rosie and Tony. And we went to Red Rock Casino. Okay. That's called. Uh, very beautiful. Mm. Very, very beautiful. So the first photo is just kind of uh, an entry point. I think there's doors behind me, below me. After that, uh, we went bowling, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I haven't been bowling in a long time, a very long time, so that was a lot of fun. After that, we went and played some pool. <laughs> I haven't played pool in a long time, so <laughs> that was fun. And then after that, there's I took took a photo of all the cars that I rented, and uh, I rented a Corolla. Oh, okay. Sh shout out to you because you have a Corolla. What do you think of it? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a brand new one, obviously 2018, I guess. No, 2016. 2016. Yeah. Oh, it looks quite new. So it was much different from our 2014 or? Um, a little bit, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. June 4th. This was uh, the watch party. Okay, so game four, um, they, they decided to have a watch party inside T-Mobile because it was so hot. Mm -hmm. Finally, they let people in. <laughs> so the first photo you see is actually has nothing to do with hockey. They have this thing called... I mean, Skippy peanut butter, obviously, that people know what that is. But having a thing called bites, and inside there's different things you can get. One was like, not granola, but graham cracker, and then one's pretzel, and they're so good. Really? You'd, you're yeah. a big peanut guy. I thought you'd like this. Well, I do. So peanuts, peanut butter, I'm great, but just don't ruin it with other things. <laughs> I, I, I love these. Uh, the, the pretzel ones were awesome, uh, and I think the, the, the other ones are like graham Graham cracker cookies or something like that. If anyone wants to send me any for mail time, that'd be awesome. I'll send you back hockey cards. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get these in your Canada. Huh. Uh, the next picture is uh, me and Chris just standing in line. We we were in line for 10 minutes trying to get in, and it was so hot. Like it was sweat. That's the day it was 114 Fahrenheit and plus no, 47 Celsius? No, it was 108 at this point. Oh, oh that's not too bad. It, it, yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> 10 minutes, we were sweating. So anyways, we're in line here. And then we went inside, and this is this, the view and the seat that we had for the watch party. Center ice. Wow. I, a lot of people were going down below. Yeah, absolutely not. And I'm like, oh. Get, across, get opposite the jumbo. You're going to be watching the screen. You don't need to be down below. There's nothing going on in the ice. They'll have neck disabilities from yeah. looking up. So, yeah. I mean, this is the perfect, the perfect seat. Oh, yeah. The absolute perfect seat. So, we nailed it. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> oh. Good God. Wow, that was bad, wasn't it? All right. 
June 5th. On June 5th, Chris and I hiked Mount Charleston. Uh, and so I don't have any photos prior to that, but I have a photo from the top. We made it to the top. Hmm. And so this is the, the amazing view. If you look straight ahead into the valley mm-hmm. in the distance, I think that's a town called Pahrump, yep. which is on the other side of Death Valley. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and to your left, you'll see a cloud. And I hope you can name that cloud. Uh, it looks like a lenticular There you go. Cloud. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. the next photo is just a more zoomed in photo of, of the valley. And... Uh, the next photo is of that like, cloud in the mountain and a little town below there. And that was basically it from that day. And I spent a, the majority of the last week doing a lot of editing of pictures and stuff. The following day, the 6th, there's only two photos here. <laughs> uh, I thought that you would find this interesting. Chris might laugh when he sees this. He, I was staying in his spare room, which had its own bathroom. And the bathroom had a shower where the head changed color. What? Green meant this is a good temperature. You can get in the shower now. The next photo is red, too hot. Oh, my. There's another color I didn't get a picture of, which was, I think, blue, maybe? Probably blue would be cold. Too cold. Yeah. So That is crazy. I thought that was really interesting. And this isn't the first place I saw it on my trip. This is like the third place that I was at that had this. Like, dang, that's awesome. So is there electricity in the shower head? Well, there's got to be. Got to be. Or unless it probably, maybe it runs on battery or something. Well, I hope so. I hope it's not main power goes in there. <laughs> yeah, it seems. I never thought of that. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be getting in a shower that had light and where the water came from. Oh, I was, I was all about it. Okay, <laughs> um, June 7th. This is the day I actually left, mm-hmm. finally. Uh, and I just have a few flying photos here. I thought that you would find this interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm looking at here, or where this is. So you've taken off from Las Vegas en route to Toronto? I think this is uh, Utah, uh, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, looks, somewhere. Looks like you're already at altitude by there. So you're, that's probably what, an hour into the I flight? I think or? this is Colorado. Mm-hmm. No, this isn't an hour. This is about maybe half an hour. I, I don't. I don't think this is Colorado. There's no way this is Colorado. Okay, you're probably. I think it's. You could be along the uh, the border between. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nevada. Mm. No, Arizona and Utah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you see the two photos there. Uh, awesome landscape. Um, the next photo will be a familiar one to you, because this is the view that you see when you fly from Halifax to mm. Charlottetown, <laughs> in the beach crowd. 1900. 1900, yeah. yeah. So there's no door to the cockpit, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, you can see what the pilots are doing. It's kind of awesome. They have a door, and only some of them use it. They actually slide shut like a closet door, but uh, mm-hmm. most of them don't use it. So I don't recognize that pilot, but I know a few that fly that route. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Looks like you were in seat 2A. I was in 2A. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, the next image is... Basically, the first picture I got of Prince Edward Island or a piece of Prince Edward Island mm-hmm. as I'm coming back through the clouds, and it's like, oh, home. So the the difference in the first picture, which is desert below, mm-hmm. to this, which wow. is so green, it's it's there's water, clouds, <laughs> uh, and then the final photo is 
basically one of the first things I did when I got home was go to the beach and chill at the beach because cool. I had not seen water in three and a half weeks or whatever. So. <laughs> you haven't seen water that was more than two inches deep. Exa- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that was my entire trip. And wow. uh, I'll have vlogs, more vlogs coming out and more post to post. If you could go subscribe there and see those, that would be awesome. There's already, I think, three or four up. Um, so I appreciate you guys' patience in me going through that. I know it was a little clumsy, um, and I'm not really good at telling stories or explaining things, but I appreciate your willing to listen and, and go through that with me. Mm-hmm. So we transition now to your trip because you took a trip to Ohio. I did. And you drove from here. Mm-hmm. And you have three folders to look through. I do. And uh, they're fairly fairly quick. I, I don't want to put people through torture. I don't have copies on my laptop because my thumb drive is in yours. So uh, the, the trip was... Um, quick. We left, I left here on, on a Monday evening after work and I drove as far as Fredericton. And, uh, once I did that, I stayed that night in Fredericton. And then the next morning, my cousin Glenn and I, uh, hopped in and headed for the United States of America and had a great, uh, had a great trip. It's, it's a long drive. And you, ever. you powered through it specifically on the way back, I think, mm-hmm. but it's a... Yeah. Even down there, we, we didn't waste a whole lot of time. We, uh, we went pretty well straight out. We stopped only for fuel, grab a little bite to eat once in a while, and that was it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we just... Uh, you didn't do any sightseeing? No. It's all about the business. No sightseeing. My thumb drive's not coming up here, so... Uh, all right, well, I can just... Yeah, I can just... I'll see your screen, and uh, we'll just go from there. All right. Yeah. I'm not going to play the videos that you have in here. Okay. Because unless they're, do you want me to play the videos? Well, they, you can play them in the background while we talk, I suppose. Uh, if, if you do, great. If not, that's fine too. But this, the, the video of, from this first day is basically just a fairly quick clip of us driving along Interstate 81 uh, through Connecticut. And we went into a heavy thunderstorm and tornado warning area. Ooh. And we had tornadoes around us. I never saw any, but how could you see any tornadoes with visibility? Like but there was touchdowns? Uh, there were touchdowns. Ooh. There were touchdowns and there were places where probably wasn't tornadic winds, but straight line winds got involved and uh, the roads were closed in places or at least temporarily closed. Uh, we just had some vicious, vicious uh, winds that took trees down. Uh, one of them put the tree right across the interstate. I think I have a photo of that. Oh, really? Yeah, where the, where the tree's down right across I-81. Oh, yeah, wow. And it, it covers the entire right-hand lane. And as you can see from the photo, there's no police car, there's no service, there's nothing going mm. on there. So you would just be bombing along the interstate at 70, 75 miles an hour <laughs> round a corner, and one lane is gone because there's this big tree in front of That's it. That's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, so we had to uh, come to a complete stop several times. And for times not too far out of uh, Newburgh, New York, on the uh, New York State Thruway, Interstate 90, we got caught in traffic for literally two hours, just sitting there for two hours while there's a, a, while a woods crew up ahead was chopping up trees wow. off the highway and loading them onto a truck. And then, Jeez, eh? Yeah, it was just crazy. It was crazy. Well, we got into Newburgh that evening, and that was our intended destination for, for leg one of our trip. We got to Newburgh and most of the power was gone in the entire city. And this is just across the Hudson. 
So we crossed the Hudson into Newburgh. The power was out, uh, except for a few places. So we just pushed on. We said, Frigate, you know, we, mm-hmm. we won't try, try to find a hotel here. There's no electricity. So we kept on driving. We got all the way to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Uh, the headquarters of Dunder Mifflin. That's right. And uh, anyway, we found a spot. Uh, we had a coupon in one of these travel books. I just walked into this uh, chain hotel and said, do you have any coupon rate rooms left? Yes, sir. So for pretty cheap, uh, we got in there that night and uh, had a good had a good rest. It was a long day, frustrating day driving. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning we left Scranton and drove all the way into Ohio from there. And Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is a very big state, especially for the east. Uh, compared to Texas and Wyoming, it's right. you know, a little more average size. But but in the east, it's it's about as big as it gets. And there's a little piece of Pennsylvania that touches Lake Erie. So if you've ever driven from, let's say, Buffalo to Cleveland, you've been in Pennsylvania, you know, you go through Pennsylvania in half an hour. Oh, Pennsylvania's not very big. <laughs> but if you go from Scranton... So Philadelphia touches the the Atlantic Ocean. Pretty well. And the other the end Delaware River, yeah. Pennsylvania touches the Lake the, Erie? Uh, well, the top, the, Pennsylvania has a little sliver that goes up to the top that touches Lake Erie, but it's only maybe 20 or 30 miles wide. Hmm, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's got Ohio on one side, New York State on the other side, right up at Lake Erie. But mm. down below, where you're driving along the entire length of Pennsylvania where it's big, right. you go from, essentially, you can go from Philadelphia all the way across the state of Pennsylvania till you get to the other side, to the Ohio border. Mm-hmm. And down there, it's hours and hours and hours long. Through the mountains, it's absolutely gorgeous through the Pocono Mountains. Ooh. It's beautiful. Yeah. So we drove that uh, all the way through on day one. Didn't take a lot of pictures. It was not a picture-taking kind of day. The visibility, as you can see in the rain, was terrible. And then a lot of our drive was done after dark because it was, we didn't intend to drive at night, but Mm -hmm. we had, you know, we ended up having to. Yeah. So the next day we drove into uh, Ohio and uh, it was just a driving day. We didn't really stop anywhere. Saw some nice scenery. Uh, Traffic for the most part was quite good, especially considering this is mostly rural Pennsylvania. So it wasn't big cities. But when we got into Ohio, we had to, we were south of the lake, so we didn't go through Cleveland. We were south of Cleveland. We, we were a bit north of Columbus. We kind of shot in between there and uh, ended up in a place called Lima, Ohio that night and stayed the night in Lima, which is about an hour north of Dayton. We stayed in Lima because the next morning we wanted to go to a place called Fair Radio, which is located in Lima. And Fair Radio Sales is... Uh, a place that has all kinds of old, old radios that would be in the previous uh, folder, I think. The uh, previous folder? Yeah, the one that says Air Force. Okay. Sorry. Um, and so the, you can see some really old vintage gadgets and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and radios. Uh, we didn't buy anything there. We just wanted to look around, but it was uh, quite a spot. There's just eons and eons of radios. Go ahead. So uh, can I go through these one at a time and you can sure. talk about them? Absolutely. Are you done with the radio thing? or uh, We're still in the radio thing. We keep going, yeah. Uh, but the, the, the trip was actually two things in one day. The other thing we did was the United States Air Force Museum. So mm-hmm. these pictures will be a mixture of uh, mostly the Air Force Museum, a lot of planes uh, and things like that. So it was a tremendous trip. But if you want to slide through. Okay, the, so there's other photos in here from the other place. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's fine. We'll we'll see some of the stuff. This is uh, looking in, along the fuselage of Air Force One, as it was, from 1962 until 1972. Uh, in 1962, when Kennedy was president, the 
United States acquired two aircraft. Uh, this is the first one, tail number 26000, and this was routinely called Air Force One. That was its call sign when the president was on board. So this is the aircraft that John Kennedy used, Lyndon Johnson used, and Richard Nixon used for much of their presidencies. That's awesome. This is the plane that took Richard Nixon to China. This is the plane that, that flew John F. Kennedy to Dallas wow. in November of 1963. And it's the plane that flew his body home. Is it a 767? It's a Boeing 707. 707. Yeah. Four engines. Uh, it's a long, uh, fairly vintage airplane. And when you go through these photos, you'll see uh, like the cockpit photo, for instance, you don't see a lot of electronic fancy gadgetry on there. You're right, yeah. <laughs> These are what, what we pilots call steam gauges, uh, although they didn't really run on steam. And it's pretty pretty much the way it was when, uh, pardon me for that little tinkle, it was pretty much the way it was when the plane was taken out of presidential service in 1972-73. Mm. And it still flew after that, just doing other things, and then it finally retired and ended up here at the museum. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's quite a place. The communications uh, area was just a little bit behind the cockpit. This is what the uh, communicators would use to keep the president or whatever other occupants in touch with the rest of the world uh, when the plane was in flight. Because when you're in there, this is back in the days of no internet, you used uh, high frequency and very high frequency radios to uh, stay in touch with the ground. Who needs this many buttons? Oh, that's... There's so many buttons here. It's the, is, isn't it the greatest I thing? I don't understand. It's amazing. It's beautiful. There's, there's, you can't <coughs> do that many things that require that many buttons. <laughs> it's not possible. Well, All right. This is the executive seating area. So this is where uh, dignitaries, sometimes maybe the president himself, would sit mm. and uh, interview folks or, or be interviewed and talk to folks. Uh, you can see the phone there between the two seats on the far right-hand side. And then right the phone down side. to the two phones down to the left of the table. One of them is probably the, the bat phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, different presidents had the plane reconfigured a little. So this, the entire plane is not exactly in the format it was when Kennedy was president. Okay. If Nixon wanted something installed, he got something installed and so forth. So the plane changed a bit. This is an interesting photo here. And I tried to uh, find a way to, to tell this story visually. But you'll see two panels, uh, one above and one below. And there's an aluminum uh, border around these panels. That used to be one panel. When uh, the President Kennedy was shot on November 22, 1963 in Dallas, uh, Jackie Kennedy, his, uh, his widow, insisted that the casket ride in the cabin of the aircraft rather than in the cargo hold. So at the last minute, the Secret Service and others had to find a way to get the coffin in the plane. So this is near the back door of the airplane. They took that bulkhead and cut it in two and removed the bottom part to allow the casket to get in and turned and, and settled along the window seats. They took two rows of seats out on the left-hand side. Wow. And that's where the casket stayed. And when the casket was removed from the aircraft in Washington, once it landed at Andrews Air Force Base, they took the casket back out the back door. And then afterward, they rebuilt that panel. They, mm. left, they left the cut line there, but they just covered it with aluminum flashing. And it's still there to this day. Wow, that's interesting. <clears throat> And there's a little sign telling the same story. I tried to get up close so you wouldn't have the glass uh, in the way. but uh, Gives a better perspective of... Or, or where the ca casket yeah. would have sat once they got it inside, yes. Mm -hmm. And there's another shot of the plane. You can see the tail number, 26000. Mm. That's awesome. It is tremendous. It's a fantastic sight. 
it's amazing how far away the first engine is from the actual <laughs> fuselage of the plane. Really? <laughs> like you, you know that those wings are insanely mm -hmm. large. Mm -hmm. There's another angle from the back door. So uh, question unrelated to your trip, what's this antenna thing coming out of the top of the tail? I'm not sure if it, what the purpose is, but all Boeing 707s and KC-135 tankers have that needle coming out the front. In I've fact, seen it. I've that, seen it before. That's the easiest way, in fact, to distinguish back when I was doing plane spotting as a kid. Boeing 707s and Douglas DC-8s looked very similar from a distance. And the best way to tell them apart was the 707 had that needle in the tail. I don't know if it's an antenna or a pedo or some other device. I've never actually looked it up in the internet to see what it was, but it had a purpose, I guess. And the pedo, is it, does, does that measure airspeed? Yes, it does. Right. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Probably the pedo that they would use in the cockpit is on the wing, but that, that one yeah. in the tail might have some other function. Didn't for they have one on the nose, right underneath the nose that kind of come down? Some, some, some planes, planes do, okay. yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um... Wow, those things are huge. <laughs> it is. And this is a picture taken from another plane that was right beside it, uh, facing in the opposite direction. This is the plane that carried, uh, the, the plane I'm taking this from, carried President Eisenhower uh, in the 1950s. Hmm. And it was called Columbine 3. And uh, I think it was called, yeah. There, yeah, Eisenhower at Columbine, I believe. So there's a few pictures in the museum of these other aircraft as well. Quite a plane. The, the size of the engine, the length of it compared to the ones now mm -hmm. is just, it, th like that just looks, in, that looks silly, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe so. All right, next up. Apollo 15 is the capsule. Uh, that was the command module. It went all the way to the moon and back. Three astronauts lifted off. Uh, one stayed behind in the capsule orbiting the moon while the other two went down in the lunar module. Mm. And then eventually blasted off of the moon, reconnected with the command module. Then the lunar module was ejected and uh, crashed into the moon to do seismic research. And the three came back in that. And that is the real deal right there. Awesome. That That's is, the one they used. That is cool. Is it ever? Ooh. That is a B-52. You know that big long engine you just saw in the mm -hmm. 707? Well, picture a plane having eight of those <laughs> in, in four pods of two. And it's really the same size engine on this aircraft. The B-52 was designed in the 1940s, flown through f from the 1950s to the present day. They're still using Are B you serious? They're still using them, absolutely. Really? B-52s, and it's a long-range bomber, as you can it's probably the biggest, appreciate. It's the biggest bomber they've ever... Yes. It's... It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, like, the, the galaxy is huge. It's huge, but and it's, it, it carries more weight. The wingspan of this yeah. is... Stupid. Yeah. And to see them in the air, I saw them in the air many times when I was younger. Yeah. In fact, they flew over New Brunswick very frequently because there were B-52s based or at least operating out of Loring Air Force Base in Presque Isle, Maine. Ah. And Presque Isle, Maine was so close to the Canadian border that the zone around the airport for doing maneuvers mm -hmm. for, you know, the circuit and all of that actually went over Canadian territory. Hmm. So if you're driving north from, let's say... Uh, Perth and over New Brunswick up towards Edmonston along the Trans-Canada Highway, you would frequently see B-52s flying overhead. Fairly low, too. That's awesome. Yeah. I took this because I'm a pilot and a geek. Oh, but it's a beacon. Yeah, back <laughs> in the days before they had uh, a lot of radio navigation or GPS, they used things as simple as lights <laughs> mm. to uh, navigate by at night. It's like a lighthouse for planes. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> 
This is an interesting thing. In Canada, we have a plane called a C-130, which we call a Hercules, and there's a few other variants of it. In the States, they also use that. But here's one particular design of it that was made to catch satellites. What? Yeah. Satellites, what they would do in the 1960s is the Americans would launch a satellite just that just had a camera in it, and it would take pictures of Russia and China, I suppose, and Cuba, who knows where else. And then the camera and the film would be ejected from the satellite and fall back to Earth with a parachute, and this plane would fly through the air and catch it in the air. <laughs> are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And those are antennas, actually, just to track the satellite on its way down. That's not the catching mechanism in the front. Okay. Those are antennas. I thought that that was the <laughs> catching mechanism. I was like, what? <laughs> you have to fly into the parachute and, oh, that's, anyway. Yeah. And some of these are just general pictures from inside the United uh, States Air Force Museum. So there's planes hanging from the ceiling. And Is that an Avenger? I can't really tell from, from my angle here. I don't think it is. That looks Japanese, actually. That's, okay. Maybe not, maybe not. Um, I just had to take a picture of anyone named Taylor. Uh, <laughs> I guess. He's the first aircraft mechanic. He worked for the Wright brothers. This is uh, earlier that same day outside of Fair Radio sales. So there's my car, the VY2 HF Mobile, parked in front of Fair Radio, which is kind of like a, a mecca. A lot of hams have to go to Fair Radio at least once in their lives just to see uh, all the stuff inside. So, so it's the Disney, is it kind of like Disney World? Well, for ham radio maybe more like Route 66. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little old. <laughs> And there's uh, just some of the stuff inside. There's Glenn looking at uh, what is uh, that's a lot of radios. That's a lot of radios, and that's that's a tiny a tiny sample of what's in there. Mm. Most of it's old. Fair radio is not so old. Yeah, pretty old. Yeah, if it's anything newer than about forty years old, they probably don't want it. Did you end up selling your big one, by the way? I did not. Glenn's actually working on oh, it. We were there to get some parts for it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That looks like a galaxy or a it, it's one of the it's a galaxy or a star lifter or one of them uh it is a huge airplane and they were doing flights over top demonstration mm. flights over top of the museum that day i guess it's a video yeah this is actually at wright patterson air force base uh, the museum takes off a corner of that base and two planes were flying overhead that day one was this one which is a massive cargo plane the other was what some people would call air force two which was the other Boeing 707 that was designed very similar to the one that we just toured inside there. Mm -hmm. And it was doing overflights as well, although my, my telephone or my camera, I guess I was using at the time, was zoomed in too far and it was blurry. But this one here, it's massive. And, and this plane is flying at probably probably 130, 140 knots, but it looks like it's going really it's, slow just because yeah, it's so big. Exactly. It's just huge. And it was quite a sight. Can you explain the difference to the viewers between flaps and slats? Uh, I can, but it's not nothing that would make sense. You think sense. it's interesting? Yeah, I, that's not my thing. All right. But, uh, uh, f slats are really spoilers that help the plane fly slower, but they don't really generate lift. They just spoil the air. They they redi redirect the air around the wing, whereas flaps actually shoot air down from underneath the wing to add extra lift to the plane while it's in slow flight. There you go. That's all I needed. Okay. I just, you, you come here to learn something new every time you're in a video, and I just <laughs> need to make sure that someone learns something new. There we go. <laughs> this plane is called a Goblin. It was dropped out, the design of it, you would drop it out of uh, a bomber, like a bomb, but there'd be a dude in it, and he would fly around your plane and fight off attackers, and then he would fly back up and get caught inside and, and hoisted back up into the plane 
and uh, go have a burger or whatever and then wait for the next time. This is freaky. It is freaky. It didn't work either. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they would drop the goblin. It flew okay, but it, they never successfully reconnected with the bomber. It always had to land on the ground. Oh, dang. Yeah, so they they, they tossed that idea, but oh. it was kind of fun. Oh, well. Fun to play with, I guess. Ooh, a Spitfire uh, or a Hurricane yeah. on the bottom? That's a Hurricane on the bottom, yeah. Interesting. And that's a Tiger Moth on the top. Mm. Uh, your grandfather flew both of those planes. Ooh. Or both of those types, not those exact planes. And that is the, the one that uh, Eisenhower used when he was president. Shiny. So, yeah, very shiny. <laughs> yeah, spick and span. You can go up inside both of these planes and walk through them. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. And uh, that's just a closer shot of the steps going up to it. This is the Columbine. Yeah, Columbine. Columbine 3. This is the Memphis Bell. Ooh. The day we were there, interestingly, just it was accidental. That's the day we were going to be there, period. Mm -hmm. The day we were there is the day that exhibit opened. So this is the first day of the displaying of the Memphis Bell. Wow. That is the real Memphis Bell airplane that was in the subject of the movie and flew over Europe, uh, 25 missions in World War II, safely re returned home and then back to the States. That is amazing. It is incredible. Very cool. That is the real plane right there. You can see the the uh, paintings on the, on the side there. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're keeping track of... Their um, missions. Of some stuff there on yeah, the side. They are, yeah, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> Another angle from mm, the Memphis that, Bell. Awesome. Beautiful plane, and it was really well well presented too. Yeah. Ooh. Further back, as you go back towards the presidential area, there is a a space gallery, and these are just some of the missiles that have been used, or at least ready to be used, by the United States in the event of nuclear war. And these sat in silos, mostly in the Midwest, places like Nebraska and Montana. There's all kinds of spots where there's missile silos, and these missiles are mm. inside, ready to go. And these are just a sample of some of the kind of missiles they had. That's cool. There's back in Fair Radio. This is a Collins-designed R390A-URR receiver used by the American military from the 1950s into the early 1970s, and it is considered to be one of the best radios ever made, period. And I have one. So if you wanted something that did the exact same thing as this, but with today's technology, mm -hmm. how big would it be? Uh, I could put it in the palm of my hand. <laughs> Amazing, eh? Yeah, I actually have two of them. They're called software designed radios, and you just they're about the size of a package of cigarettes or something similar, and you plug them into your computer, and away you go. That's amazing. It's incredible. Can you imagine if you took today's radio, mm -hmm. went back in time, and showed someone back oh, then? Yeah. Like <laughs> They wouldn't know what to do. That thing there weighs 85 pounds. <laughs> It's about... Uh, oh, I, I remember carrying it up, help you carry it upstairs. Yeah, it's over 40 kilos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the, uh, the the most important member of the crew in the Memphis Bell. Because he's the radio. radio. Oh, the you're radio. right, right. <laughs> I was trying to read his title underneath yeah. there. No, he's a radio guy. I thought um, initially that was a Spitfire, but uh, I think it's a P-40 Warhawk, uh, someone said. So. Oh. Yeah. But it looks like a Spitfire to me, but... They've... Uh, yeah. The Americans yeah, did fly some Spitfires uh, with American paint on them, but uh, hmm. there's some, I, I've been trying to find out the exact identity of that plane. I actually still think it might be a Spitfire, but someone tells me it's not, so. Yeah. Hmm. Ooh. Now, the lighting on this one is, is I, so poor. I already know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's our 71 Blackbird. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be in the dark. That's right. <laughs> I think that's on purpose. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah. Quite a plane. Amazing that you got to see that in person. Mm-hmm. 
really. That's the second one I've seen. What, really? There's one on the Intrepid in New York. Oh, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> All right, what's this? Uh, that's inside the Columbine 3 airplane. That is a shortwave receiver because oh. when it flew in the 50s, that's as good as it got. Remember that room with all the buttons? Yeah. Yeah, that was the 1970s version. <laughs> this is the 1950s version. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And this is what Harry Truman flew. We're going back even farther in time. This is the Independence, which is the plane he flew in the early 1950s, late 1940s, before Eisenhower became president in 1953. Hmm. Yeah. So does each president get to choose whatever plane they want? I think generally, yes. Does Trump fly his own plane? No. No, uh, Air Force One was replaced by, uh, a, it was that Boeing 707 style until the 1990s. And I think around 19, or actually the 1980s, it would be about 1985 or so when they switched to a, a large Boeing 747. And that's what it's been ever since. Uh, yeah. Maybe different versions of it, but it's always been a big 747 mm. since then. Yeah. That's a, a replica of the first airplane flown at least in North America, the right flyer. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, pretty scary. That's it for... That's it for that day. So what we did was we, we spent... Uh, the Dayton Hamvention takes place on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So all the pictures that we just talked about were taken on a Thursday because the thing hadn't really started at that point. Okay. So Thursday night we went to an event, an unofficial event at a local restaurant... And then on Friday morning, we went to the actual hamvention and spent all day Friday and all day Saturday at the uh, the ham radio event that we were there for. So was it fun? It was fantastic <laughs> fun. Yeah, it was great fun. Uh, outside, uh, outside one of the buildings, the main buildings, the Amateur Satellite Corporation of the United States, what we call AMSAT, had a demonstration out front or out back, I guess, with a little tent and a tripod with an antenna on it that was remote controlled and they were operating on satellites from right from there. Hmm. And the two guys that were running the demonstration, Paul and 8HM and Tucker W4FS are two guys that I know and I've talked to them on the air many times. That's awesome. Yeah, so they were there, got to meet them and say hi. Yeah, Tucker just sent me a, a message on Twitter last night about something that was kind of cool. Oh, nice. And AMSAT has its own uh, meeting that, that happens at Dayton every year. This was the AMSAT meeting inside, so we have we, we got in so late that we didn't get a seat, so we're sitting up against the wall over to one side. Ah. Yeah. And there's me. That's one of my favorite pictures, and always will be. This is me with Doug Wheelock. Doug was a, uh, is an astronaut working for NASA, and Doug was in space in the International Space Station in 2010, and I talked to Doug a couple of times uh, when he was up in space, nice. and I was home here. And he was doing a talk. He's also a ham. And mm -hmm. He was doing a talk at the uh, hamvention. And I watched his, uh, his broadcast, and then it was over with. Uh, he had some autographed pictures to hand out, so he's signing the picture there in front of him. And he made a nice personal message to me. I've got the picture framed, and now it's sitting at my office, hanging on the wall there. But got a really nice conversation with Doug. He's a fantastic guy, really nice man. Did he send you a QSL card after you get home? No. No, I didn't get a card from him. The QSLing is not done by the astronauts themselves. There's uh, another organization that does it. And I probably did get a card from the organization, but it would not would not have been from Doug anyway. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, and there's Doug doing his broadcast just before I got to meet him. It's a cool sign. Yeah. In front of the laptop. You can buy signs like that yeah. down there, and it's, 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 a, it's a miracle it didn't come home with a whole car full of stuff like that. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah. This is a video. This is a video, and this is just a a little walk through the flea market outside because not only is it uh, the, the hamvention, 
a bunch of buildings that are totally occupied by dealers and commercial vendors. Outside, in the center of the racetrack area, is a flea market. So people drive up, they rent spaces. Unfortunately, the day was a little a little dreary, the, the day that we were out there. But you could just see the extent of uh, some of the things for sale with these little tents mm. and tarp-covered tables. And it's pretty cool. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it was quite the place. So the flea market is a, is a big part of what happens at Dayton. Because so you just walk around and... Yeah. Look at stuff. Yeah, just walk around, look at stuff. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And we also went to some talks and demonstrations. This is the uh, another podcast group, actually. They do what we do. They, they podcast about amateur radio. They also do videos. And uh, this is their presentation. They had one of the rooms booked and... Uh, all the fans, the fan base, mm -hmm. I'm one of them. We went and sat and watched these guys do their thing and have some talks, and uh, it was great. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Inside one of the buildings, uh, the ICOM company had draws a couple of times a day, but you had to be present to win. Okay. <laughs> so you can see this huge crowd waiting for their name to be drawn, mm -hmm. and they were giving away some really cool stuff. Did you win? No. All right. Yeah, didn't win. This is back of the satellite demonstration outside. There's Tucker sitting down, getting ready to work the satellites. And he's got a couple of laptops on the go. One of them's controlling the antenna turning and the other's controlling the radio tuning. And uh, there's quite a few, quite a crowd has gathered around the outside to watch the proceedings. And mm. uh, they had some good contacts from there. So it worked out really well. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, just, of course, outside there's everyone showing off their stuff. There's a pretty cool tower with a, a spidery looking antenna on the top. So do they... Bring this? Yeah, they bring that. And they put it up for three days and then they take it away. <laughs> wow, it's oh. a lot of work. For it's a crank up tower. If you can tell uh, each section, you can see how it fits inside the oh. section above. So there's a motor, a great big motor at the bottom. And they just uh, put the power to that motor and away it goes and it pushes itself up. Sounds expensive. Uh, it is a little, little pricey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's Tucker working on the laptops, getting ready for the pass. Inside, it's just buildings and buildings. This is a video. Buildings and buildings like this that uh, just constant flow of people, uh, people walking, people on their little scooters. <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. There, you'll see a lot of scooters uh, running around in Hamvention. Ham radio is one of those great hobbies that people that of, of any kind of ability can all do together. Uh, there are people in, in the ham radio hobby who are completely blind. Mm -hmm. There are people who are uh, quadriplegics, uh, paraplegics, and there are, of course, our able-bodied folk who are walking around and uh, and talking to old buddies that they've talked to on the air. A lot of people have signs or, or big hats with their names on them because in the course of uh, being on, on the radio for, in my case, 35-plus years, you end up talking to people, but you never know what they look like. You might walk past someone who's really a buddy, uh, on the air for many, many years and not know that that was them. So That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, so there's a, a little more of a, a propensity among ham radio operators to put their call sign on their hat or their name on their hat just so you can recognize people. I'm noticing uh, one distinctive thing about the majority of what I'm seeing, and that is the age mm -hmm. of of, the, of most of these people. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an, I wouldn't say it's an old man's hobby, but it's an aging hobby. There's not as many young people as there are older people. Not not quite as many, but I was surprised with the amount of young people I did see, and I did see quite a few. There were some young folk that were around, and uh, but you're right. Uh, it's a hobby that 
was really big until probably sometime in the late 70s, early 80s. And then mm-hmm. the, the new intake started to drop off. But there's still enough people joining the hobby to replace those that are leaving or that have passed away. So in the States, there are about a million ham radio operators, uh, just under a million. In Canada, there are a uh, hundred thousand or so or close to it. So there's there's a lot of us and, and uh, we're going to be around for a while. Now I'm going to throw it a selfish plug for you. Uh, we did a radio video on your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which majority of people probably probably don't even know about. You have a YouTube channel. I do. We, you have got lots of videos on there. Yeah. And one of the videos is a radio video that we did last summer. And if you can comment on this video with your YouTube channel, I will pin it so people can see uh, at your channel. Click on your channel and, and subscribe because we're planning some other radio videos coming we are. up. So. Oh, thank you. Uh, you did a great job on the camera work and especially on the production of it. Well, thank you. Yeah. The uh, the radio video we did was essentially me making some satellite contacts and uh, starts off just me talking from down by the waterfront, not too far from where we live here, mm. and waving my crazy looking antenna into the air and talking to a few guys in the satellite and then coming back into the room, showing people where the satellite was when we were using it and how everything all fit together. Mm. And... I'm amazed, but that video, I don't know, I haven't looked lately, but it's close to like 10,000 views or something. It's It's crazy. And I continue to get new subscribers and I haven't provided new content lately and Uh, I feel bad about that. So we need to fix that. The reason I mentioned your channel is because I have another question. Did you buy anything there that you brought home with you? Heck yeah. So you have, heck yeah, you have tools to make new content. I do. Okay. I do. I've had, I've had great fun. I bought a new radio on that trip. I didn't buy it actually right at Dayton in Ohio because they have sales tax there. And I knew I was driving through, uh, driving through New Hampshire again on the way home at a branch of the same store, Ham Radio Outlet, where they do not charge sales tax because they don't charge any in New Hampshire. So I saved about 70 bucks. U.S. by waiting to buy it the next day. That's, um, <coughs> excuse me. Almost two tanks of gas. There you go, down there. So, sure yeah. is. So I bought it on the way home. I hooked it up when I got home. I'm absolutely in love with it. It's an ICOM IC7300, if you must know. I, I must know. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful radio. It's the first new radio I've had in about 25 years. Wow. First, yeah. It, it replaced a radio that I just recently sold this spring that I bought also brand new in the late 1980s. Dang. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's uh, good that you're able to upgrade and mm-hmm. do new things. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that pretty, pretty much wraps up this podcast. So thank you guys for uh, listening. If you are li- if you are listening, I kind of feel bad because this is more of a, a viewer's podcast. <laughs> uh, and hopefully you are watching. If you if you, if you are listening, hopefully that you get a chance to, to go watch as well. Um, but uh, if you could like this video on YouTube, that would be awesome. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe if you're new. And leave any questions down below in the comment section uh, about my trip, his trip, hockey, anything. We, we, read all the comment, com- we read all the comments. And uh, we love hearing your feedback. So let us know what you think. And thank you for joining me. And thank you for having me. Sharing your story. Appreciate that. Back to what, having a yak next week? Back to having a knack. Having a yak. Having a knack. <laughs> having a knack yak, next week. <laughs> having a yak next week <laughs> on <laughs> more Post to Post. So make sure you tune in for that on, on that channel. So thanks, guys, for listening or watching. I really appreciate it. hope you're having a good day. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Adios. <laughs>